Scripture reading tonight will be read from 1 Kings 4.29. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom, and exceedingly great understanding, and largest of heart, like the sand on the shore. Thank you, Tanner, for reading our scripture tonight. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful for a great day. And it is our prayer that the time that we have together tonight will be beneficial, that we will be encouraged in the faith. It is a great blessing to be together with God's people and to worship the only true living God. Tonight we're going to be talking about Solomon. And the theme or the thrust of our study together is really pointing to his great wisdom. Interestingly, we talk about the wisdom of Solomon, and there are a lot of attributes about his life that we could focus on, but tonight we want to think about his wisdom and really how it was used or not used as he sojourned here upon this earth, and we're going to be doing that in just a minute. Before we get started, I want to make mention of the fact that the latter part of this month, our young men are going to be conducting our worship service. I think the 24th. Is that right, Jared? No? 31st. Okay, my bad. All right, the 31st. And so we want to encourage, we want to encourage each and every person to be present. We want to try to bring as many people with us as we can, try to fill the building. And I know that you will be in for a treat. The young men are going to be handling every phase of our worship service. And we've got some great young men and women, ladies, that are a part of this church, and we're proud of them. We're proud of their example and their desire to serve the Lord. And so we want to, we want to do everything that we can to encourage them because they are the future of the church. And so we appreciate the elders and I think the wisdom in allowing these young men to be a part of this worship service and to lead us. Tonight we're going to be looking, as I said a moment ago, at the life of Solomon. What I want us to think about really revolves around the idea that Solomon was a wise man. Unfortunately, he did some very foolish things in life. So we might ask the question, how could such a wise man engage in such foolish behavior? I want to begin tonight by just talking about the wisdom of Solomon. The Bible has a lot to say about the wisdom of Solomon. If you were to ask probably just about anybody on the street, when you hear the name Solomon, what comes to mind? It would be wisdom, wouldn't it? Solomon was a man that requested wisdom from Almighty God. Back in 1 Kings chapter 3, the Bible tells us that God appeared to Solomon in a dream and said to him, ask what you will. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Solomon asked for wisdom so that he might discern between good and evil among the children of Israel. And God said unto him, because you have asked for wisdom and not for other things, I will grant unto you riches as well as a long life if you will follow my commands. 
The passage that was read a moment ago, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, is a summary of the wisdom of Solomon. The Bible says that God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. In verse 32, the writer said, again speaking of Solomon, that he spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs were 1,005. And then verse 34, and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, which brings us to his renown. Solomon was an extremely famous person. We talk about popularity and fame. And there are a lot of people today, they're all about popularity and fame. And it can be intoxicating. And there are a lot of folks in our world today, that's what they're after. They want to make a name for themselves. And sometimes at a great expense. In 1 Kings chapter 10, there's a record of the Queen of Sheba coming to examine, put to the test, the great wisdom of Solomon. Now, Sheba, the Queen of Sheba, she was queen over southern Arabia. At least that's what many scholars think. And so this lady comes to examine this man. Note if you would, in chapter 10. The Bible says that when she had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, verse 4, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw it with my own eyes. Sometimes believing, or rather seeing is believing. And so then, here's what she said, indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame which I heard. So this guy was something. Now when we think about wisdom, I, I usually try to define wisdom as that characteristic that enables us to take knowledge or information and use it wisely or use it correctly. Knowledge is the assimilation of facts, of material or data. Wisdom is knowing how to use the information that we possess. And so here is, here is Solomon. He has requested wisdom from God. God granted that petition. His wisdom is such that he is renowned. He's famous. Everybody knows about him. Well, I want you to consider with me we talk, about, we talk about his wisdom. But I want you to consider for just a minute or two the recklessness of Solomon. And really here, at least from my perspective, is the heart of the problem. Solomon, like other kings, 
had received some divine instructions from Almighty God about how they were to rule, about how they were to live, about how they were to interact with other people, the associations that they were to make. I want you to go back with me for just a moment to the book of Deuteronomy. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 17, we have the basis of God's instructions to the king of ancient Israel. Listen, if you would, to what is said, beginning in verse 14. As we read these verses, there are two things I want you to see, first of all. God instructs the king, number one, about selecting a wife. Number two, about storehousing wealth. Back in Deuteronomy, well, in the preceding chapters, God had said to the children of Israel they were not to intermarry. And the reason he said is because if you do so, they will turn your heart away from me. So pick up with me in verse 14. God said, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You shall, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Now listen to him in verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So specifically, he talks about his wealth and his wives. Now we might ask the question, why in the world would God have something to say about storehousing wealth? Sometimes wealth leads us to faulty assumptions, doesn't it? In other words, sometimes we get a false sense of security. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, charge them that are rich in this present world not to trust in uncertain riches. Riches could be here today and gone tomorrow. Now, not only was he not to accumulate silver, but he was not to accumulate or multiply horses. And then... He had something to say about his wives. And the reason, again, lest your heart be turned away from me. Drop down now and look at verse 18. Now he instructs him about studying the word. And it shall be with him, or rather verse 18, and it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. 
that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So when you read Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, God is very specific about certain things regarding the kingdom, and particularly the one who would sit upon the throne of ancient Israel. God said, number one, you're not to storehouse wealth. Number two, he instructed him about the selection of a wife. And number three, he said, you need to study the word. You need to keep the law of God at your side, day and night. You need to meditate upon this law. Now, Solomon was reckless, wasn't he? Somebody says, well, how do you know that? Let me just ask you to turn over with me for just a moment to chapter 10. In chapter 10, verse 26, we are introduced to the waywardness of Solomon. I want you to listen to what the inspired writer said centuries ago concerning Solomon. And the bottom line is this. Here is a man with immense wisdom, renowned for his wisdom, and yet he is reckless and foolish. And as a result of that, pays a heavy price. What I want you to see first of all is this. God had instructed the king about how to live. Unfortunately, Solomon refused to listen to God. There are a lot of people in our world today. Their lives could be much different. They could have peace and harmony and happiness. They could enjoy a sense of contentment. Their lives would be 180 degrees opposite of what it is today. If only they would listen to what God says, but they choose not to. You remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 talked about the importance of hearing and doing the will of God? He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He told a parable about two builders, a wise builder and a foolish builder. He said that wise builder built upon a firm foundation. And he said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon the rock. He likened that man to somebody who heard the word of God and put it into action. But he said, whosoever heareth these words of mine and does not do them, shall be like a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall thereof. What you're going to see is because Solomon refused to listen to God, he fell and fell hard. So, verse 26, chapter 10, 1 Kings. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen 
He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the kings in Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedars as abundant as the sycamore trees which are in the lowland. Now, first of all, Solomon accumulated that which was forbidden, didn't he? God had said, you're not to multiply silver. You're not to multiply horses. What did Solomon do? He did the exact opposite. The Bible says that he imported horses from Egypt. In verse 29, the Bible says, a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150 and thus through their agents they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So number one, he accumulated that which was forbidden. And then secondly, he had an unhealthy affection for that which was forbidden. Look if you would at chapter 11 now. Here's what the record says. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, now I said a moment ago, God had instructed his people, he had instructed the king about selecting a wife, and I said that Solomon refused to listen to God. And here's what God said, reminding us of that very thing. You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. And why is that? For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Now, I want you to listen to this commentary. Solomon clung to these in love. Again. God had said, this is what you need to do, and Solomon did the exact opposite. Now look at verse 3. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Again, God had said you're not to multiply wives. wonder why some people, Solomon specifically, but wonder why some people turn a deaf ear to God's word. I have wrestled time and again with that question. Why is it that some people know what God has said but they just refuse to do it. Sadly, some just don't care. God has given us his word, and there is a purpose behind the giving of his word. There are a lot of people in our world today, they look at the scriptures as a book prohibiting them from doing certain things. And I will grant 
that there are prohibitions in Scripture regarding certain things. But positively speaking, those prohibitions are given so that we might not find ourselves knee-deep in trouble. There are a lot of practical statements that are made in Scripture. Let me just give you one example. In Proverbs chapter 20, and this is Solomon speaking, he said, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. In other words, they're foolish. When God tells us to be careful about the consumption of alcoholic beverages, there is a reason for that. When God says you don't need to drink, there is a reason for that. Why? Because you can become enslaved to that. Read Proverbs 23 and look at the terrible consequences that come upon people that abuse themselves with alcohol. That's just one example. And there are Many, many other examples. But God has given us his law for our betterment. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So, Solomon, sadly, had an affection for that which was forbidden. And then I want you to think about his association with that which is forbidden. Again, look back at verse 1, chapter 11. King Solomon loved many foreign women. Look at verse 2. God had said, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you, for surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. And yet Solomon clung to these in love. I want to give you a passage of scripture that is as relevant today as it was when it was penned almost 2,000 years ago. And it was written by Solomon. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And then I want to give you another passage of scripture. I said 2,000 years ago. Let me call attention to what Paul said. That was 2,000 years ago. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's Galatians chapter 6. But in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, evil companionship corrupts good morals. And the idea is when we associate with the wrong kind of people, what happens? It brings us down, doesn't it? So, Let's just talk for a minute about Solomon. Because he ignored what God said, it manifested itself in a couple of ways. Number one, his wicked ways. Listen to what it said in verse four. Here's what the Bible says. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives that his wives turned his heart after other gods. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. So we talk about his wicked ways. What happened to him? He became an idolater, didn't he? 
They turned his heart away from Almighty God. He was no longer loyal to the Lord. And then I want you to see his wicked works. The Bible says that he went after the Ashtaroth, which was worshipped, it was a pagan deity, worshipped by the Canaanites, the goddess of erotic love and fertility. Here is a guy that knew better. Here is a guy that had the law of God at his disposal. He was to have read and, in, and been instructed by this word, and yet he ignored it. And then in verse 5, the Bible says, not only did he go after the pagan God of the Canaanites, but after Milcom, that is, Molech, the fire god. And the children in that day were sacrificed to this pagan god. And then look at verse 6. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. Chemosh was a pagan sun god. So what happened? You look at the life of Solomon and you have to just stand back in amazement. Here's a guy with all of this wisdom who becomes reckless with that wisdom and becomes wayward. Falls out of harmony with the will of God. Manifested in his wicked ways and his wicked works. Now here's what I want you to see. There were some grave repercussions that he faced. I mentioned a moment ago, Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What you sow in this life will one day bring forth fruit. It'll either bring forth good fruit or bad fruit. That's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6. Those who sow to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Those who sow to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So here's what the Bible says about Solomon. Verse 9. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. You see there? He disrespected the will of God. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon because you have done this and have not kept my covenant, my statutes, which I've commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. The kingdom would be stripped. Later, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, there would be a division that would occur. The northern kingdom would go into captivity, Assyrian captivity, never to return. The southern kingdom of Judah would go into Babylonian captivity, and that kingdom would be spared for the purpose, or that remnant would be spared for the purpose of bringing the Christ into the world. But why did all this happen? Because Solomon engaged in foolish behavior. Was he wise? Yes, he was. Exceedingly wise. 
but he was so foolish. I want to close tonight by saying this. We may not have the wisdom of Solomon, but the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. We have a lot of information at our disposal. And those of us that read our Bible on a daily basis, we know what God expects from us. We know what God wants from us on a regular basis. A wise person will take what this book says and put it into practice. We'll try to be a good husband or wife. We'll seek to be a faithful parent, parent, rearing our children in the Lord. If you're a young person, you'll be submissive and obedient to your parents. If you're a couple, you'll honor your marriage vows. If you're an employee or an employer, you'll act like God would want you to. You'll be industrious. You'll be a hard worker in the kingdom of God. You'll do your best to put the kingdom first in your life. And why is that? Because that's what God wants. And wisdom suggests that if we do that, we'll be blessed. If we fail to do it, well, we'll reap the consequences. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't make the same mistakes. Solomon made a bevy of mistakes in his life. All could have been avoided if he had only respected this book. There are a lot of folks out here in the world when you get out and you start talking to people and visiting with them, I think about folks that are more mature in life. They're in the sunset years of their life. And you talk to them and they have a lot of regret. They regret that they weren't faithful like they should have been. They regret that they didn't put the kingdom first. They regret they didn't rear their children in the Lord. There's a lot of heartache because their children aren't faithful today. A lot of heartache because their lives are in disarray. It doesn't have to be that way with you. But you've got to make wise decisions in this life. Solomon made his share of mistakes. And I think what the Bible is saying to us is God's way is the right way. Not just the right way, it's the best way. There are a lot of people out here that have got a lot of regret in life. I think Solomon had a lot of regret. It didn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way in your life. But you've got to choose. You've got to choose the kind of life you're going to live. I can't make that decision for you. The elders can't make that decision for you. You have to make that decision. You have to decide whether or not you're going to be faithful and true to God and honor His Word or turn your back on Him. Live as you want to live. And God will let you do that.
but you'll pay a heavy price. Solomon was a wise man, but he did a lot of foolish things. I wish I could stand before you tonight and say I haven't known some people that have done some foolish things, but I have. I've seen some folks who have made an absolute mess of their life and of their lives. What I'm saying to you is it doesn't have to be that way. But you've got to make the decision to respect this book. If this book is not the guiding light in your life, you won't make it safely to heaven. Just that simple. So, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that he is the Son of God, wisdom would suggest that you obey. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say to you? Would you not tonight repent of your sins, confess his name before others, be buried with him in a watery grave of baptism? Did you know that when you do that, God will add you to the church? That you'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians 1.3. And if you will live a faithful life, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. If you're here tonight and for whatever reason you've gone back into the world, you've made some foolish decisions in your life, Somewhere along the line, you got off track. Wisdom says it's time to come home. It's time to get back on track. One day this life's going to be over. Really, the question could be, could be asked. When this life is over, where will you spend eternity? If you're not faithful, why not come home tonight? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you come as we stand and sing?